Amen. There's a prayer set a fire down deep in my soul. That's uh, that passion and that love for Jesus, you know, that just help us to come alive. And this is what we're looking at over our uh, series running up to Pentecost Sunday, which is, is next Sunday. It's the whole uh, great commission, taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and uh, spreading it around the world. This is what um, we're told Matthew's gospel reminds us of. It's his focus was to go and make disciples uh, in nations. It's about nations. Go make disciples of every nation, not go make disciples in every nation. His focus was that we would go and we would so influence nations that those nations would put Christ as Lord. Go, he told us. In Mark's gospel, the, the focus was that as you go, you will see some amazing things happen, confirming that God is with you and God is for you. We looked at signs and wonders last week, and our focus from, Math, uh, from Mark's gospel was that we were going to be a people, we are going to be a people who not only speak that God is worthy of honor and praise, but that we would see signs that confirm that our God is worthy of honor and praise. So that's Matthew, and then we've looked at, at Mark, and then we're looking this week at uh, Luke's gospel. And this is Luke's focus. His, his focus is that we would get an understanding of the real meaning of the gospel. What does the gospel really mean? Also, there will be this uh, recognition that there is a non-negotiable we can't just go without waiting. So he says, go, but wait. And the third thing he pulls out for us and helps us to understand is that the, the power that we will receive when we have waited will be worth waiting for. Go to the nations. Preach the gospel. Allow signs to follow. And then we turn around and we say, do you know what, it's okay Dave saying go, but you know that gift of evangelism, that's not, that's not where I'm at. I'm not bold, I'm not forward in talking about my faith. Let's leave that to the experts. I remember hearing a story of, uh, uh, of a preacher who uh, recounted the fact that he was involved in a, a crusade, a large preaching event where uh, Billy Graham was going to be speaking. But the thing is, this guy was speaking on the first day, and Billy Graham wasn't going to be speaking until the next day. Billy Graham, an international evangelist, he speaks and, and preached the gospel, and he saw millions of people come to Christ. Well, this preacher was saying that, that he was down to preach on, on the first day, and Billy Graham was going to be doing the next day. And the thing about it is, though, Billy Graham turned up a day early. And this guy, uh, the guy's name was Leighton Ford, and Leighton Ford recounts the story of the fact that Billy Graham turned up early and sat at the back of this large meeting place. And Leighton had given a gospel message and in, invited people to come forward and to receive Christ. And where Billy Graham was, he looked across and there was a, a gentleman sat um, on his own, 
and Billy Graham just decided that, well, he would help this guy, and he sort of moved over close to him and said, would you like to go forward and give your life to Christ? And this guy turned to Billy Graham, not knowing who this guy was. I mean, he didn't know that this was Billy Graham talking to him. And he said, uh, no, I, I think I'll wait. I'll, I'll go forward tomorrow when the big guns are here. And that's the thing. We seem to have this uh, attitude sometimes that it's, it's the big guns, it's the professionals, it's those who uh, are schooled in evangelism who have got the job to share the gospel. But... That goes against everything that our gospel writers have told us to this point. The call for each and every one of us is to go. This is what we read in Luke's gospel. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So in Luke's Gospel, the first part of it is of the Great Commission is recognizing what the gospel actually is. And we read these words here in Luke 24. He said to them, this is what I told you whilst I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law and the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You see, the most important thing to do, I believe, for each and every one of us as believers is to allow God to speak to us, to reveal himself to us. I love the way that Jesus just put it like this. He said, he opened up their minds. Well, how about that as a prayer? Whenever we sit down and we open a Bible and we start to read, how about just saying as a simple prayer, God, would you open up my mind that I can understand your word? The brilliant thing about um, one of the Bible study tools that we've used as a church in our, our life groups was focusing not on the fact that we are transferring information, but we are receiving something from God and sharing it. We use this Swedish method where we read a scripture, and when we've read a scripture, we ask a number of questions. Where is Jesus in this text? What is this text saying to me? Is there something that I should be doing? Is there something that I should stop doing? Is there somebody that I should be telling? what I'm reading. But in each of those questions that we ask ourselves, what we're actually saying is that there isn't a wrong or right answer here, but this is, what is God revealing to me? And one of the wonderful things about the life group that I'm part of was those times were so precious because we all had something. Because when you ask the Holy Spirit, when you ask God to reveal his word to us, that's what he loves to do. He wants us to know what his word says for us right here and right now. His desire is that we would have that aha moment. I see. Oh, wow. 
And what Luke does is he says, as he brings forward his call to reach out to the nations, he says, but before you do that, let's ask Holy Spirit, let's ask the Lord to fill us to the point where we understand what he's telling us to do, that we fully understand what the gospel is. The gospel. The Bible tells us one thing here that we need to take on board. He says here that... Jesus is going to suffer. So when we think about the good news, when we think about the gospel, there are some elements that we need to take on board. It says that Jesus is going to suffer, rise from the dead on the third day. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. He is going to suffer. That's one of those situations that we need to take on board is that all that God has for us comes at a price and that price was paid for by Jesus we get the free gift of a relationship with our Heavenly Father but the free gift to us had to be paid for by somebody and that somebody was Jesus the Son of God The message of salvation is this. We receive the benefit because of his love for us and his willingness to die for us. Paul writes these words to the church in Corinth. He says, For I resolved to know nothing whilst I was with you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. Paul puts his hands up and says, The price that was paid for our salvation is mind-blowing. And I'm not going to move away from that. I'm not going to move away from that. Salvation has cost our God everything. But the reception of that, receiving that, comes at a price. And that price for us is that we would do something about it. He talks about the fact that uh, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. So he brings it down to a point where salvation is very, very focused. It's about God's love for all mankind. Christ's death to pay for our salvation. And it is only him who can pay for the restoration of a relationship between the created, that's us, and the creator, our God. Our response to that is quite clear. This is what is written, the scriptures say. He says, Christ will suffer, will rise from the dead on the third day. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. Repentance. The whole thing about repentance. This is our journey into a relationship with our holy heavenly father. It's a recognition of God's amazing love for us that turns around our actions, our attitudes, our thoughts to a point where we say, you are holy and I desire that I would walk in your holiness. But at this moment in time, I recognize my sinfulness, the mess that I've made of things, but I receive your cleansing. And today I make a stand. I no longer live the way that I used to live, but I now live for your honor and your glory. I, I, I repent. 
I turn around. Things change. Now, there's a transaction that's going on in repentance which we need to recognize. In repentance, we put down our rubbish and Jesus takes it away. Now, a number of people that I've spoken to over the years have, have talked about the fact that they always feel drawn back to this attitude that they had, drawn back to the language that they used, drawn back to the thought processes or the actions that don't please God. Well, the thing about it is, to be drawn back is, is, is synonymous with the fact that we've not given over to Jesus what we want to get rid of and allowed him to take it away. We keep revisiting, we keep going back. But repentance is about turning around and saying, I'm not going to go there any longer. And repentance, that turning around, that action of saying, that was my old life, I am a new creation, I don't need this anymore, I'm going to leave that shame, I'm going to leave that sin, and I'm going to walk in something called forgiveness. And the scripture talks about the fact that we are cleansed because of Jesus' death. We are robed or clothed in his righteousness. And when I'm dressed in his righteousness, I've got no attraction or desire to be party to anything of the past. I've given it to Jesus. He has taken it away. I walk in a new relationship with him. I said, Lord, be my Lord. I want you in my life. And I will walk out in this newness of life. So this is what he says. This is, this is what the gospel is all about. Repentance and forgiveness. And then he talks about that you are to uh, preach the gospel in his name to all nations. Go and share the fact that you can get rid of your rubbish. You can live a God-honoring life because of what Christ has done for you on the cross. Go and tell. And that's where we end up with, uh, with problems because people turn around and say, uh, well, I don't know about that. But then they look at the scriptures like we've looked at it, Matthew and Mark and now in Luke, and we realize that Jesus commands us to go. And then we have this pity party moment. He said, well, I don't really want to go. I don't feel I can share. And there's two things that we need to take on board. And this is the journey that I had to take when I first came to Christ. There's one side of things where there is a command to go and share. But I think that there's a better way of looking at it when we are compelled to go and share. I don't know if anybody saw this film. It was years and years ago, I know. But the one thing that I remember of uh, Mel Gibson's film, The Passion of the Christ, was the savage brutality of what Jesus went through on that day when he gave his life for you and for me. People talk about, you know, the, the depiction on the screen. And, and the thing about it is, is that they had to hold back stuff because this was for public viewing. The reality would have been far worse. But don't focus upon what happened to Jesus on that day when he gave his life for you and for me. When I feel compelled... What I do is I look for the reason why he went that 
through that for you and for me. And the only reason that I can find is the fact that he loves us. It's love that took him to the cross. It's love of you and of me that um, empowered him to walk the walk that he walked to the ultimate death. Christ loves us so much that he would die for us. This is what Paul says in the book of Romans. But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that's the being compelled. It's not that I'm commanded but I'm recognizing God's love for me, that he gave himself for me. And then when I look at my family and my friends and my neighbors and my work colleagues and extend that sphere of influence that you have as far as you can and just recognize that the love the Father has for you, he also has for them. And the Great Commission call is that we would share that love Give it away. Bring Jesus up in conversation and the difference that he's made to you and to me. So we're not so much commanded as we are commanded, but we're also compelled. And the being compelled is because we see God's love for us. And Luke says, be stirred. Be stirred in such a way that you can't help but share the gospel. But there's, the first part is know what the gospel is to share the gospel. But the second part says, well, now you've got it. I want you to hold on. Hold on for a moment. I just want you to wait. Go, wait. Go, wait. Sounds a bit daft. But the reason why we are to wait is very clear. It says this, I'm going to send to you what my father has promised. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with on power with power from on high. And this just relates directly to how Jesus spoke to his disciples in that upper room in um, John chapter 16. He said, you know, I'm going to have to go. I've got to go, but I'm going to leave you another just like me. So the disciples are thinking to themselves, oh, you know, hang about. If Jesus goes, who's going to guide us? Who's going to lead us? Who's going to be our number one? And Jesus says, don't worry about that because I'm going to send one just like me. Father's going to send one just like me, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you, who will empower you. What does he do? Well, this is what he does. This is what I recognize that he does. When the Holy Spirit fills our life, he gives us the words to speak. Sometimes people would say, do you know what, Dave, I just don't know what to say. Great. If you don't know what to say, wait for the Holy Spirit to give you the words to say. Start to speak and use his words. The Holy Spirit will convict sinners of their sins. You don't have to convince anybody that they are out of step with our holy God. The word is sinners. We, we know we are sinners. We know we lie, we cheat. We know we say things we shouldn't say. We are deceptive in our actions. And the stuff that we do is all about me. We know all of that. But you see, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes 
and brings that conviction and draws people to himself. And the last thing is the Holy Spirit will open spiritual eyes. There are people you might think to themselves, are miles away from God. They're never going to come to Christ. Well, the truth of the matter is when Holy Spirit steps in, even the worst, and I have met some very interesting characters in my time that I think to myself, how did you get saved? Well, the way they got saved was because Holy Spirit was involved. They didn't get talked into it. They come to a place of revelation because Holy Spirit touched their hearts. Wait to be empowered. And when you have waited and you are filled, and this is the thing, you say, Lord, fill me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me today to be a witness to the good news of your love to the people that I will meet today. Be filled. Wait. Be filled. Be filled. And then what... uh, Luke tells us to do is, now you are filled, go, go. These are the words from uh, Acts chapter 1, the beginning of the early church starting on one occasion whilst they were eating with them, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of the Father as promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Here's a a quote that I found. Uh, I don't know how I come across it, but it seemed to fit with where I'm going today. Um, If we had some donuts, we could have coffee and donuts if we had some coffee. This is a Homer Simpsonism, which is ultimately him saying, I don't have coffee and I don't have donuts. But if I did, I could have coffee and donuts. What about if we turned it around? What about if we said, if I were going to witness, I could be a Holy Spirit witness if I had the Holy Spirit. If I were going to be a witness, I would be a Holy Spirit witness if I had the Holy Spirit. Listen to these words. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you know if I was going to be a witness, I would be a Holy Spirit witness if I had the Holy Spirit. Well, you do. He has been poured out. He's available for you and for me, the Great Commission reaches the nations when the children of God, people like ourselves, or those who are coming to faith, rise up empowered by God himself to witness to the good news that God loves you enough to die for you. He'll take the rubbish and transform your life as he fills you with himself, clothes you in righteousness. Let's put shame to one side. Let's put guilt to one side. Let's leave that all behind and recognize that the love of God releases you into the fullness of everything that he has called you to be. That's not my words. That's not my agenda. That's God's words, his agenda. That's what we can pick out in three weeks just looking at what does it mean to be part of the Great Commission. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive it. 
We don't have to stir it up. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to make things up. There's this beautiful text in the Old Testament from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. It's not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. He pours out his spirit so that we haven't got to stir it all up. He just wants to release us to be his witnesses. So here's some points. Why are we called to be a witness? Why? Because God so loved the world. What are we called to do? We're called to go and preach the good news. How are we supposed to witness? We're supposed to witness with the same love for those we witness to as Christ has for you and for me. You see, the end result is very clear, isn't it? That when we love like Christ loves, people are drawn to the one who's transformed our lives to love in that matter. How many people have, have come to faith in Christ and, and been part of, of a body called the church and when you ask them why you go to that church, why you're part of that family, and they would say something along the lines of, do you know what, they just love me there. They just love me there. And when love is present, it's attractive and draws people in. And we're called to be loving people who draw people to Christ. But the key is not just about who we are or what we do. The key is that we would wait to be filled, empowered from on high. So let me lead you in that prayer this morning. When you have doubts and questions about your own witnessing capabilities, let's just draw a line right here, right now, and ask Holy Spirit to fill you afresh that the love that you have received from Jesus would start to flow out from you in the relationships and the, the friends and the families and the neighbors and the work colleagues so that they too may come to that revelation of God's amazing love. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, just before you this morning, we ask you to forgive us for the times that we have made excuses for witnessing to you and for you. Forgive us for the times that our mouths have remained closed. Forgive us for those times where our actions haven't backed up what's happening inside our hearts. We thank you for your forgiveness. And where we are right at this moment in time, we ask you to fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we might be empowered to share the good news of the gospel everywhere we go. Give us the words to say, Meet us in this amazing act of love that you have released us into, sharing the good news. And may we see many turning to Christ, starting a massively new relationship with you, our Heavenly Father, because you have empowered us to witness for your honor and your glory. Amen. Amen.